0: Voyage.
1: Hey guys, what's going on? Jack Austin here with seven Lamb productions here to talk to you about the art of dying, the latest and greatest episode of fever dreams, a pulp collection. I know you guys are going to love this one. Seriously. If you don't, I will be genuinely shocked. This one is the departed meet silence of the lambs. It's about a frustrated artist turned into a serial killer who makes sculptures out of mutilated human bodies. He's being hunted down by a Boston-area detective, still haunted by the murder of his father trying to stop him. Seriously, we love this episode. It turned out so, so good. The performances, sound design, music, everything. We know you guys are really going to love it, so stay tuned and enjoy The Art of Dying. I
2: was 15 when I witnessed my first murder. Not the aftermath, not the cleanup. Not some lifeless cops collecting flies on the street. But the act itself. A honey knife plunging into flesh. A serrated blade, maybe five inches. Slid out as easily as it went in. Blood spurting. Droplets landed hot against my face, steaming in the winter air. The psycho who did it fled into the subway tunnels. My father sank to his knees and tried to speak, but all he managed was a choke gurgle. It's a death rattle that haunts me to this day. It's been 17 years since my dad's murder. He was a cold case by the time I joined the Boston Police Homicide Division. Day of my swearing and I promised I'd find the son of a bitch within 10 years. I've given myself plenty of time and every year since I come back to my father's grave by the harbor and I put another stone on his marker. Sometimes the wind blows him away but
3: I always restock them,
2: as so I know too damn well how many there should be. I gaze at the nine rocks laid upon his marker and at the one in my open hand and this one If it feels. heavy. Heavy with the weight of a promise I'm I'm afraid I can't keep. It's my day off, Bill.
4: You gotta get down here. You'll wanna see this.
2: What is it this time? Hooker? Junkie? Dead gangbanger?
4: It's Danny the mule.
2: Christ. I'm on my way. I find Bill waiting for me at the quarry, arms folded across his rumpled sport coat, frowning like my dog pissed on his rug.
4: So glad you could carve time out of your busy schedule. Alright, what happened? See for yourself. Bill motions to an inflatable rescue stretcher, pulls
2: away the damp white sheet that covers it, revealing Danny the Mule's body. And Danny isn't just dead, he's transformed. His pelvic region is as bare as a Ken doll, and his severed right arm has been grafted under the place where his nose should be. Fingers still attached. His other arm is nowhere to be
4: seen. My guess is you're looking at reason number 23 why you don't cross Sal Gia body. Is that stitches on his ear? I think the better question is, where does Dick go? Oh.
5: Am I interrupting your frat party? Tina? What are you doing here? I transferred back last week.
2: Like, permanently
5: is that a problem for you
4: and here i thought today couldn't get any more interesting welcome back tina uh yeah uh welcome back you look um real good you ever see anything like this in the big apple
5: not outside the circus
4: hell of a nose job isn't it
5: who is he it's
4: danny mcdougall aka danny the mule he's a foot soldier for the irish mob One of Jack Flaherty's closest associates.
5: Louis, hand me that exam bag. I want a core temperature read on his liver.
2: Tina's forensic tech, Louise, passes her a leather satchel and dips into an exaggerated curtsy. Your corpse purse, my lady. Pillonitrate smirks. Louise's antics are always good for a laugh, and it's just like Tina to ignore him.
5: There's no lacerations on his wrists or ankles. I assume he wasn't weighted down.
4: Found him doing the dead man's float.
5: Bag his hands and feed him, prepare the body for transport.
6: Oh, what about his, um... face? Hand? Tina peels off her gloves
2: and storms away, and i and I wonder what the hell got into her.
5: Hey, hey, Tina, wait up! I thought my showing up would be a nice surprise, but the look on your face said it all. Well, you caught me off guard. I caught a glimpse of your true feelings.
2: Come on, Tina. You show up after seven years and expect me not to react? And then get pissed when I do? You know I hate surprises. You
5: have the emotional range of a Neanderthal. Well,
2: I don't take offense to that.
5: Maybe you should.
2: I heard you got engaged.
5: It didn't last, but I guess that's just me.
2: I felt your gaze land on my wedding ring.
5: Is there something else you want, Ray?
2: Bill thinks this is a Flaherty versus Giobati dispute. Your classic territorial battle between crime families. But this seems way too... ...elaborate for that.
5: It's certainly not your typical gangster-style execution.
2: Exactly. Which doesn't fit Giobatti's M.O. So, look, let me know if you find anything unusual during the autopsy. Um, still have my number?
5: Burned into my memory.
2: I watched Tina climb into the van and wonder if I should go after her. Stick my hands in my pockets and feel a stone in one of them. Stone I never laid down on my dad's market. I fish out the Broken Promise and stare at it in the palm of my hand.
6: Pet rock? (laughs) Do I look like a weirdo to you? (laughs) I don't know, man. We all have strange shit we like to collect.
2: For a short guy in his 70s, Sal Giabadi has a surprising amount of presence. And style. He wears retro cool glasses, expensive suits, his white hair meticulously arranged into a perfect state of disarray. At first glance, he looks like an aging movie star or someone's ultra-cool granddad. But one gaze in his dark eyes and you know you're dealing with someone dangerous. Since the downfall of his rivals in New York and Providence, Giobatti has emerged as the head of the Italian mafia in the Northeast. He lives like a king in Boston's North End. As a patron of the arts, he appreciates the finer things in life. And on Wednesday afternoons, he can always be found at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Bill and I find him on the third floor, flanked by bodyguards and staring at a Renaissance painting called The Rape of Europa. In it, a woman is dragged into the sea by a white bull while three winged cherubs attempt a doomed rescue. She, addresses us without turning
4: around. You know what I like most about this painting? The chubby little angels? I was gonna say a life lesson, but you don't know shit about our... So we need to talk, Sal. Not until your partner learned some basic fucking decency.
2: Bill and Giobati have history. Doesn't help that Bill's half black and Giobati's an old school racist. Come on, Sal. A few minutes of your time.
4: I'll give you five. Maybe in the courtyard. Without the moulinyan. You know they rotate the plants in this place? Every season, it's something different. Yeah, I hear you're a big donor. What can I say, I'm a sucker for the arts. But uh, you didn't come
6: here to talk culture. What
2: do you know about Danny the mule?
6: I hear he went for a little
2: swim. Is that all? I understand we got some interesting cosmetic work done. Oh, how'd you know that? Not exactly public knowledge. I'm in the business of things that aren't exactly public knowledge. You boys have anything to do with it? I got no beef with Danny. You mean not since you and Flaherty arrived at your business understanding a few years back? You stay out of his markets, and he stays out of yours? That's right. Sure Danny didn't cross some line, break some unwritten rule, do something to disrespect one of your guys? If something like that happened, I'd know about it. I got a source who says Danny partnered with your guys on a recent job. Is that so? My source tells me Danny never made it home that night. He just, poof, disappeared. Until now. If I wanted Danny to disappear... He
6: would have stayed disappeared, hmm? You gotta admit, it's a big coincidence. You seen what happened to Danny? Do I look like some fucking sicko to you? I settle my disputes with honor. I have your word on that? God as my witness.
2: Uh, coffee's on me today.
4: You shouldn't have ditched me, Ray.
2: What do you want me to do, Bill? The man holds a grudge.
4: For what? Doing my job? You arrested him outside of church. On charges that were shaky at best. I picked him up exactly where I was instructed. You think he doesn't know that? What's your point? He's a goddamn racist. He's just trying to get under your skin. You don't see it, do you? Some fucking detective you are. What do you want me to say? Don't say anything. Just open your goddamn eyes. That shit's everywhere in this town. I can't go into a gas station without the clerk thinking I'm gonna rob the fucking place. All right, point taken. But the last thing we need is you storming
2: into Jack Flaherty's headquarters all amped up. But the mayor wants us to defuse the situation
4: between Giobati and Flaherty before it blows up in our faces. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking mayor. If he's got nothing to do with his dirtbag brother like he claims, why is he always mixing in where Jack
2: Flaherty's concerned? It was a story everyone in the city knew well. Flaherty boys grew up in the Southie projects, and while Tom Flaherty became a war hero, city councilman, and now mayor, His brother, Jack, gravitated toward a life of crime. Keep the peace. Some even said the mayor secretly divvied up the markets between his brother and (laughs) Giobatti. Gotta love Boston politics. Clarity's headquarters loom across the street from the coffee shop. Two-story brick building with no windows and a battered steel door painted emerald green. It's officially listed with the city as the Golden Shamrock, but the building lacks even a single exterior sign. Most locals know it simply as The Rock, and it's a place few dare enter. Those who do, risk forfeiting their souls to Southeast Resident Devil. Boston Police!
0: Well, I'll be damned, what do we have here? Cops bearing donuts Must be opposite day. (laughs) I'm surprised there's any left. I heard you like jelly. And I heard your mama likes chocolate. (laughs) No offense, right? Your granddaddy picked cotton, mine picked potatoes. In the end, we're all descended from farmers.
4: But your ancestors weren't slaves.
0: Hey, guys. How many times did we save Billy from an ass-kicking back in the day? Matter of fact... I still see Pat Kearney gimping around the neighborhood with that space shot expression of his. <laughs> I don't even think he ever was quite the same after that beating. And I remember you took my new bike as payment. Ain't nothing for free, Billy. You ought to know that by now.
2: I'm sure Bill would love to reminisce about the old
0: days, but we we'll hear about Danny. You got anything for us, Flaherty? No, Detective. I don't got anything for you, though I would suggest a basic course in grammar.
4: Woo, strong words from an eighth grade dropout.
0: When you realize you're smarter than the teachers, who needs school? Your mama must have been real proud. You better mind your mouth, boy. All
2: right, that's enough. A man is dead, so I gotta ask. Do you know who killed Danny? Or why someone would want him dead?
0: I don't need your services, detective. These grease balls killed my cousin. Plain and simple. And if it's a war Giobati wants, I'll bring it to him.
2: Gia Body wouldn't have mutilated Danny like that. It would have just made him disappear.
0: Danny did disappear. Right after doing a job for Gia Body.
2: So if you start a war, every cop in this city will be on your case.
0: I didn't ask for your advice.
2: Right then be my guest and do something stupid. It's your
0: funeral. Trust me, detective. You don't want to go toe-to-toe with me. You guys aren't the only ones who keep files.
2: Well, what's that supposed to mean?
0: Give Michelle a kiss for me when you get home. And tell Allie I'll see her at the school play. She'll make an adorable billy goat gruff.
2: Laird, threat followed me home like a dark shadow, and for the rest of the night, I found it impossible to relax. Last thing I wanted was for that bastard to gain entry into my head, but There he was, in the back of my mind, burning like the Cheshire Cat. Now, here it is, after 11 o'clock, everyone tucked into their beds while I lay awake beside Michelle, listening to the rhythm of her breathing and wishing for the millionth time that I'd never asked my dad to take me to that basketball game all those years ago. We hadn't waited for the garden to clear out in hopes of getting an autograph wouldn't have been standing alone on the subway platform looking like an easy target. Climb out of bed knowing I'll never get back to sleep, tipped over to the desk in the corner of the room. That's where I keep my wallet, keys, badge, and now the smooth gray stone from the cemetery. I ease myself into the desk chair and put up my laptop adjusting the brightness so it doesn't wake Michelle. Searching the criminal databases for the scumbag that murdered my father has become something of a ritual. Perp would be in his mid-forties by now, but I'll never forget his cold gray eyes, cut of his jaw with a circular scar on the left side of his face. I type my credentials into the department's login screen, and as it loads, I pick up the stone and turn it over in my hand, feeling a hard surface worn smooth by time. I'd heard that the profiling software was upgraded for the latest facial recognition advances, and I wonder if the old sketch I uploaded has received any new hits. Once in the system, I toggle my saved searches and rerun the default criteria. As I watch the progress icon spin in a slow circle, I know it won't return anything new. After all these years, all these dead ends, I'm convinced I'll sit here forever and wears my bones to dust. I can barely believe it when the search returns three new matches, but the first two amount to more dead ends. Almost don't bother to click on the third photo. When I do, my heart stops cold. Prominent in the guy's left cheek. It's a crescent-shaped scar. Holy Christ. It's him.
1: Yes, darling, I'm, I'm leaving in a minute. I've already dimmed the lights a few times, but these mouth-breathers can't take a hint. They're still wandering around. Jesus,
6: you should see them trying to impress their girlfriends as if they had the slightest clue about
1: art. Closing time, everyone. Thanks for visiting the Finkelton Gallery. Almost
6: ready now. Just, ugh. My ditzy receptionist left another portfolio on my desk. <laughs> another goddamn amateur who thinks he's got what it takes.
4: Into the garbage where it belongs.
6: Finkelton closes the door and waddles into the service alley. He has no idea. I'm watching him from the shadows, waiting, no idea that our destinies are intertwined, that his life is no longer his own. I creep behind Finkelton as he approaches the car, and I tap him on the shoulder, wanting to see the fear register on his pudgy face. He whirls around, his eyes bright blue and brimming with terror. He attempts to scream, but I press a chloroform rag over his lips. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Oh, don't worry. There'll be plenty of time for screaming.
2: Callahan shuffles into the visiting room of MCI Walpole, escorted by a pair of hulking guards. They push him into the chair opposite me and shockle his wrists and ankles to the steel ringlets on the table. His cold, grey eyes never leave mine, and we stare at each other until curiosity gets the better of him.
4: <laughs> Smells like carp in here.
2: And what were we expecting, a
4: conjugal visit? What do you want?
2: I hear you used to run with the Irish before Jack Flaherty rose to power. So, what if I did? You ever stab a man on the Orange Line platform?
4: If you're gonna accuse me of a crime, I think
2: I
0: better lawyer up.
2: You're serving three life sentences. What difference does it make?
0: I have good genes.
2: 17 years ago, you killed a man waiting for the train. You stole his wallet, and he fought you back.
4: Doesn't ring a bell.
2: Sure about that? You look just like him.
4: I got that kind of face.
2: Oh, yeah? When'd you get that scar on your cheek? This here? It's the one.
4: You didn't read my file? Yeah.
2: you killed your partners after a bank job, but one of you guys shot you in the gut as you lay dying.
4: He also got me through the cheek, lodged a bullet in the other side of my jaw. That
2: wasn't in your file.
4: You don't believe me? Check my medical record.
2: Jimmy's words land like a sucker punch. His file made no mention of the wound to his face. The bank job happened six years ago when he was arrested at the hospital. At that point, the detective might have considered it a minor detail. God knows I've seen sloppy paperwork. I'll be in
6: touch. I wheel Finkelton into the underground bunker that doubles as my gallery, leading him through the tunnel dug from the house in the heyday of the Cold War. Uh, Where... where... where am I? Well, we'll get to that.
0: Uh, Who... who are you?
6: You don't remember? You called me a talentless loser, told me to crawl back into whatever dark corner I hailed from and never set foot in your gallery again. I I, I didn't
1: mean it. Now
6: you're in my gallery. (laughs) But you were right. My art lacked a distinct voice. But not anymore. You... you found your muse. I did indeed. And in the process I created an entirely new medium. And now my art speaks to me. beautiful metamorphosis. Terror blossoming into
0: acceptance. No, no! <laughs> this is madness.
6: This sound meter registers every scream in the gallery. Incidentally, Mrs. C is the reigning champion at 103 decibels. She may not possess many redeeming qualities, or any really, but my goodness, that woman can scream. <laughs> Please, <laughs> just... <laughs> just let me go. Ah, well, where are my manners? I seem to be blocking your view. I step aside to reveal the exhibits I've mounted to the wall, all of them transformed into true visages of themselves, souls laid bare to my muse. What, what have you done to them? Do you like it? It's a revolutionary new style. I call it the art of dying. (laughs) Well, I'll take that as a compliment.
1: What's what's that?
6: It's a bone saw. What? Congratulations, Finkelton. You're about to become my next exhibit.
3: No! No, please! still.
6: And prepare for your metamorphosis.
2: I make a few calls in the parking lot and when I hang up, I'm left shaking my head. Jimmy's story checks out. Puts me back to square fucking one. I try to put it out of my mind as I stop by the medical examiner's office for an update on Danny. I'm not in the mood to bump into Tina, so I head straight for Doc Weintraub's office. As I turn the corner, the forensic tech, Luis, almost runs me over with a cart full of tissue samples. Whoa.
6: Almost hit you with the brain train. (coughs) Christ, that reeks. (laughs) What's the matter, Ray? You don't like our brand of fresh air? Is Doc Weintraub in his office? Uh, No, He's, uh, he's elbow deep in someone's guts. But Tina's around. Great.
2: I find Tina sitting in her office reading a report. I don't want to see her, but damn, she looks good. Our relationship was rocky, but the one place we always clicked was the bedroom. But that was another time, Another life. She catches me staring.
5: How long have you been standing there?
2: I couldn't tell if she was amused or pissed. It's another reason we were doomed to failure. You. you have those results on Danny the Mule.
5: I want some answers first.
2: In that case,
5: why didn't you come to New York?
2: You know what happened.
5: No, Ray. I don't. All you ever gave me was a line about finding someone else.
2: It wasn't planned. I wasn't looking.
5: You turned down the NYPD job without telling me.
2: I'm sorry. It was a chance meeting, but but she turned out to be the one.
5: I see you're still married. Yes. Happily?
2: Are you Are going to give me the goods on Danny or
5: what? If that's all you want.
2: Just give me the rundown.
5: Well, for starters, Danny McDougall had no water in his lungs, which means he didn't drown in the quarry. The underside of his neck evidenced light bruising, consistent with ligature marks.
2: So you're saying he was strangled?
5: We found no evidence of asphyxiation. More likely, he had some form of restraint around his neck while in captivity.
2: You mean they tied him up like a dog?
5: Possibly. Also, we found traces of calcium sulfate in the folds of his neck. What's that? Plaster of Paris. It has a variety of uses, including building materials, casts, and even sculptures.
2: What was the cause of death?
5: It's inconclusive at this point, but we should know more when the tox screens come back in a few days.
2: Well, what about time of death?
5: Nothing definitive. The cold temperature of the quarry would have slowed down the rate of decay, but there's many other variables to consider. Such as? The temperature and humidity at the actual place of death. How much time elapsed before the body was disposed in the quarry. Not to mention the types of microorganisms in the water. It'll take more lab work to pinpoint a precise range. Huh. What's your gut? I think we can safely assume the murder occurred between two to four days before he was found.
2: What well, can you tell me about the, uh, reconstructive surgery?
5: It was remarkably clean. Meaning? Whoever did it likely had medical training.
2: So, what, we're talking a doctor and... Nurse or an EMT?
5: All I can say is whoever did this nursed Mr. McDougall back to health after the surgery. We found markings on his body consistent with IV lines. The killer obviously wanted him to survive. I can only imagine to prolong his torture.
2: What about the stitches in his ear?
5: They were standard polypropylene non-absorbable sutures. We found threads in both ears despite any evidence of an underlying laceration. Anything else? There is one other thing.
2: Tina reaches into the front pocket of her scrubs and pulls out a ziplock bag containing a sky-blue toy car with white racing stripes. A vintage 1970s Charger. Where'd you find that?
5: Halfway up Mr. McDougall's rectum. Oh,
2: that's one way to find parking in the city.
5: It wasn't the only thing in that garage. What do you mean? Let's just say his penis is no longer missing.
2: So, what do you think about the autopsy? At least we can stop looking for his Johnson. Everything about this case, from the amputations to the nose replacement to that vintage toy car, it's
4: got to have a special meaning for the killer. My money's on a revenge killing, committed by some sick fuck who planned every detail, probably months or years in advance.
2: Yeah, but what's the significance of the toy car parked up Danny's ass? Or or the fact that the killer severed his arms and fused one of them onto his face? It's got to be symbolic, right? Like, he's making Danny into something else.
4: Like, some kind of freak show. Shit. It's what my ex would do to me, giving half a chance.
2: What do you, you make of the plaster of Paris residue on his neck?
4: Hmm. Could be he was chained against a stucco wall? I don't know.
2: This whole thing feels personal. Like, whoever did it was trying to teach Danny a lesson. Maybe he
4: plowed the guy's wife. Mm,
2: Danny was sodomized with his own penis. Makes me wonder if the killer was molested as a kid, you know? Now he's acting out his anger. So why Danny?
4: Maybe it was Danny who molested him. There's no way the Irish would tolerate a pedophile in their ranks. That's a line those guys don't cross.
2: Danny could have kept it a secret. Like he was 51 when he died. Say he was diddling in his 30s or 40s. That would leave enough time for a victim to grow up and plot his revenge.
4: But Don't you think we would have heard rumors if Danny was a
2: pedophile? Maybe someone else has heard a rumor. Like who? We drive over to Turtle Pond in West Roxbury. It's uh, one of Boston's more suburban neighborhoods. It's our usual meeting spot for RJ, longtime informant with loose ties to Jack Flaherty. We watch RJ roll up in a black sports coupe, tinted windows, rear spoiler, cool exhaust. He climbs out of the car wearing baggy shorts and a wife beater, red goatee growing wild. We get
3: a new ride? This thing's got so much power, it's sick. And the best part is, you guys are making the payments.
2: You better not be drag racing again. we you get caught one more time, I don't think we
3: can fix it. And what's it you're after this time? You
2: ever hear any rumors about Danny the Mule being a pedophile? I never heard anything,
3: but uh, I saw something once.
2: Take some haggling to grease the wheels. So I give RJ 150 to get his mouth moving.
3: That's it? We like what you say, we double it. It happened at The Rock, maybe 15 years ago. My dad sometimes brought me out there on our weekends together. He liked hanging out with Flattery's guys. Made them feel tough. What'd you see? There's a dancer from one of Flattery's strip clubs. She used to drop by the Rocky every now and again. They entertained the guys for extra cash. Kind of old, but uh, still hot. Uh, a couple times she took a kid with her. He used to sit at a booth and draw. How old of a kid? Uh, Ten maybe. He never said much. The only one who paid him any attention was Danny. used to ride the kid around on his back, like a horsey ride. Except for some reason, Danny called it uh, an elephant ride. You think he molested the kid? I saw him riding the kid around the bar one time before disappearing into the storeroom. A fight broke out up front, so I went back there to hide. Anyway, that's uh, when I saw Danny hiking up his pants. The kid was cowering in a corner, just ghost white and uh, crying. You remember the kid's name? No, but uh, his mom's name was Amber. What'd she look like? Brunette. Tits out the hair. <laughs> and the kid? Yeah, I don't know. Skinny, dirty blonde hair.
2: I hand RJ the rest of my
3: cash, and another question occurs to me. Hey, you remember
2: what kind of car Danny drove in those days?
3: Yeah, man, that's the only thing I liked about the guy. He had a vintage muscle car. Loved showing it off. Let me guess. Is it a sky blue Charger? How'd you know?
4: All we got to do now is find that stripper. <laughs> I finally have a reason to get out of bed in the
2: morning. Oh, don't get
4: too excited.
2: Sure she hung her a G-string a long time ago. And a hundred bucks says her real name isn't Amber.
4: You know, this case has taken on new meaning for me. I say we hit every club in the city. See what we can turn up. Unit 22, go ahead.
2: Yeah, we can take it.
4: What about our plans?
2: We gotta take a statement. Missing person's case. Better be a stripper. Would you settle for a middle-aged art gallery owner with a beard? Bill shows me both middle fingers and doesn't say another word for the rest of the drive. We arrive at Finkelton's house in Brookline. This place is easily 5,000 square feet. White brick with Corinthian columns, historical register plaque next to the front door. Gotta be worth millions.
5: Mom! The police are here!
2: It's even nicer on the inside. The architecture may be old, but the art on the walls is modern. It works somehow. guy's got taste. Bill and I follow Finkleton's wife into the kitchen. She tells us that Barry's been missing for 36 hours. His car was found abandoned in Dorchester, up on blocks, stripped of parts. His wife figured he'd spent the night at the gallery like he sometimes does on the eve of a big exhibition. Bill and I take turns running through the standard checklist. We get an understanding of his state of mind, his finances, and any potential enemies. On the way out, I spot his son Toby zoning out at the TV. Looks to be about 10. I can tell he's been crying. He catches my gaze as we head for the door.
5: Uh, Are you going to find my dad?
2: I stop cold and look the boy in the eyes. His pained expression makes my heart ache. Um, We're going to start searching for him now. We won't stop till we find him.
0: You promise?
2: Cross my heart. Bill and I trade glances as we head for the car. Who would want to kill an art gallery owner? Pissed off artists. Mm-hmm. Bet the gallery has a list of submissions.
6: The itsy bitsy spider climbed up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Ta! Uh, uh, Finkelton's anesthesia is finally wearing off. My gaze sweeps over a tray of blood-splattered surgical instruments I pilfered from my office near the autopsy room. Some people steal paper clips; I prefer scalpels. Finkelton is mounted to the gallery wall. A row of picture lights illuminates golden drops of sweat beaded on his brow. His head lolls to the side, and I walk over to the stepladder to get his attention. Ah!
5: Come on, oh. sleepyhead.
6: Wakey, wakey. Where,
0: where am I?
6: Are you ready to behold your metamorphosis?
0: My what?
6: I grab a mirror from the table and angle it toward Finkelton so that he can see what he's become.
3: Oh, oh. <laughs>
6: <laughs> That's better. I honestly wasn't sure where I was headed with this project, but once I saw all that black hair on your belly... Together with your vile personality, my inner muse shouted, By God, he's a tarantula! And voila! Finkelton stares into the mirror, revolted by what he's become. Eight hairy arms dangle from his nude torso. Four fused onto either side of his body. Spare parts from other victims. The pull of gravity makes all 40 fingers look like they're twitching.
1: (laughs) I, I... I... I can't... I can't feel my arms! Well,
6: that's because none of them are yours. I considered working your own limbs into the project, but... Where's the fun in that? Did you notice the egg sac attached to your rear? Symbolizing the artists you've discovered, the careers you've helped birth. It's genius, right? I'd appreciate your honest opinion, Mr. Finkelton. Do you recognize my talent now? No! (laughs) Oh God! Oh God!
2: (laughs) I stared at my father's grave for a long time. The name and date etched into the granite marker. What happened to him was in the past There's nothing I can do to change that. I know now that I might never find his killer, no matter how hard I try. But I know he'd be proud of the man I've become. And as long as I continue to fight, whether for him or someone else, I honor his memory. I take the stone from my pocket and kiss it before setting it down atop the gravestone next to the nine others. I love you, Dad. I wish I could stay longer, but these cases aren't going to solve themselves, and I've got some artists to question.
1: Fever Dreams, a pulp collection, is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore in association with Robert Lamb and Jack Austin of Seven Lamb Productions. This episode, The Art of Dying, was directed and produced by Adam Prince, written by Derek Cavagnano, adapted from his award-winning novel of the same name. The novel, which continues Ray's and the artist's story, is available on Amazon. A link is in the show notes. Editing and sound design by John Higgins. Original music by Durlis Gonzalez, starring David Starzik as Ray and Graham Sibley as the artist additional cast credits available in the show notes if you're enjoying the show please leave us a five-star review in apple podcasts or anywhere you're listening and subscribe now for future episodes
5: the fable and Folly network where fiction producers flourish
1: i'm jonathan pezza the creator of the curious matter anthology and i'm betting you've probably never heard anything like our show
3: Stop shooting out. Reload! Is the Make
1: you count, We adapt stories from authors like Philip K. Dick, Andre Norton, and Robert Bloch into binaural audio movies that transport you to new worlds.
4: Hey, get them out of
3: here! That's it! You're banned for life! Between with you Braxians and lasers. <laughs> Seriously!
1: I told you downtown was a bad idea. In our brand new season, we explore farther into the what-ifs.
5: You think, in these instances, that somehow simply by believing things are different, they changed? Doubt. I don't follow. I doubt
1: something and, um, they don't change per se. They cease to ever have been. We delve deeper into the realms of horror and science fiction. Nerves of steel, boys. James, sir. Please. There is no need for this.
6: I do not believe that whatever that is can understand you.
1: Robert, I know you are in there somewhere. If you are, we are...
3: (laughs) Made through the barrier! It's... Come on, me. It's dragging him out! Damn! Beast! If I can, just get to my knife!
6: <laughs> well, that's new.
1: Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So sit back, grab your popcorn, And listen to the Curious Matter Anthology today.